What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. All right, my friends, this is part two of our three-part patient advocacy series. I am joined today by three more of my fellow colleagues with Caribou, all of us working hard in the field of patient advocacy with differing insights, but all on a similar path to help uncomplicate the very complicated medical system for our clients. Enjoy. All right. I am so excited to have the next group of healthcare advisors with Caribou with me today. It's been really fun diving in a little bit deeper. We have a, a relatively moderately sized group in the Caribou Healthcare Advisors, and it's nice to kind of dig in with, with some smaller groups. So we are here today with Jim, Claire, and Angie, and I'm excited to kind of dive in a little bit more with them, um, introducing them and also talking a little bit more about why they joined this field and uh, some of their insights into what they've seen so far as being a patient advocate. So let's start with some introductions. And um, I just because this is the order I have it in, not because it's any, <laughs> there's no VIP status, I promise. Um, I have the order of Jim, Angie, and Claire. So Jim, let's start with you. You can go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit about why you joined the patient advocacy world and your business name. You know, you can admit that I'm the VIP, Claudia. <laughs> Uh, uh, just kidding. Uh, I'm Jim Best. I'm from Serenity Cancer Patient Advocates. Um, yeah, why did I get into advocacy? It's, um, I would say it's a, it could be a fairly long story, um, but the short version is that I spent 15 years in, in healthcare, both uh, a little stint in biotech and then a, a much longer stint uh, in the medical device industry, 13 years in the device industry did everything from sales to uh, hardcore product development where I was just dealing with uh, surgeons and engineers and, and uh, a lot of different roles in the medical device industry. While all that was happening, my grandparents started to get cancer. Uh, and I was the only person in the family with any kind of healthcare background at all. And so I was able to use my knowledge from the medical device industry, um, which sort of positions those professionals as sort of half insider, half outsider. Um, I was able to use that knowledge to, to help my, my grandparents and sometimes their brothers and sisters, so my great aunts and great uncles, to sort of navigate their way through the healthcare system. And it taught me a lot more about uh, the device industry in a, in a lot of ways. So I would say that... Um, you know, as, as those years unfolded, you know, and ultimately four of my grandparents, my dad, my stepdad, uh, all got cancer. Um, and when I say four grandparents, it's not as bad as it sounds. So I actually have seven grandparents because they didn't like their first choice. Uh, they ended up splitting up. So uh, four out of the seven ended up getting cancer. Uh, dad, stepdad, I ultimately had a cancer scare myself. 
And so it was, uh, it just keep, it just kept coming. It was kind of a constant, it felt like a constant part of my life. And, and they were always confused on a lot of different levels. And so I was kind of the guy in the family to, to help them. Um, so that's, that's why I got into this. I really appreciate you sharing that and um, also that there's more extended grandparents. Um, it's always nice to, to know that, but I, I appreciate you sharing that, that story of how this became a passion for you. And what is your business name? It's uh, Serenity Cancer Patient Advocates. Perfect. Just want to make sure everybody's got that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Jim. Angie, you are next. Can you share a little bit about your journey into patient advocacy and your business name? Sure. Um, my business name is Medical Advocacy Plus. And the reason I have the plus on there is because I didn't want people to think that I only serve people who have just medical issues. I like to help with um, prevention as well, which includes wellness and prevention in addition to the medical issues. So the reason why I, I got into this is I've been in the medical field for 30 years as a speech pathologist, loved working with people, um, but I can't tell you how many times I have heard over and over confusion from the patients or just they didn't know where to turn, what to do. The doctor's visits were short. I've always worked pretty closely with doctors, you know, on my team. Um, and I, the package that was there for them, like if I took the time and spent time with the patient, oh, let's go over what's going to happen in the surgery. Let's go over what, what your diagnosis is. They really felt relieved and I kept feeling this calling to just do a little more than what I could do in my little visit as a speech pathologist but to broaden it to be able to help other people out there that are you know confused with the medical system and need a little more hand help. Um, also just on the personal side um, my family tends to come to me a lot because I guess I've been in the medical field for so long and when my grandmother was going through a chronic illness um, she had aspirated, which means food got into her lungs. She was in the hospital. They couldn't decide what to do. Do we put her on, you know, on a feeding tube? Do we, do we just let her go? What, what do we do? It was a lot of back and forth, lots of confusion with, with the doctors, with the family. The family was like, well, we have one doctor saying this, one doctor saying that. Um, it was a long, arduous process till finally, you know, I got involved. And it just kind of organized it all for them. Okay, let's look at this. Let's look at that. We just kind of developed a plan. And then it all came together. And uh, she went home peacefully and things turned out great. So I think it's the combination of I felt like I'm always trying to help and just give a little more to, to help people out to where they feel peace of mind, confident, and assured that they know what they're doing and not just being told what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the empowering piece. I can definitely resonate with that. And your company name, Angie? Medical Advocacy Plus. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. All right, Claire, let's finish up this first round with your introduction and your journey into patient advocacy. So my name is Claire Thevino, and my company name is Clarity Patient Advocates. Uh, I am a registered nurse and I worked for many years in oncology. I had, um, I worked in the infusion center and then I got my certification in oncology. And then along the way, I myself was diagnosed with uh, advanced breast cancer. By the time um, I was diagnosed, I already had met metastasis to my bones. 
And that was despite having regular mammograms. So I was just one of those people that had uh, dense breath and they missed my cancer on my um, regularly scheduled mammograms. And it was my professional experience that I was able to pull into my personal experience that kind of gave me the the peace of mind to move forward and to know what to do. And I just felt, you know, I felt so sorry for those patients that are facing a cancer diagnosis and they're, they're just, you know, they're hit with this and they don't know where to turn next and who to talk to and what to do and what questions to ask and what does this mean? You know, they're throwing all these terms at you and it's just so confusing and you got the pathology and more tests and more appointments. And um, over the years after my diagnosis, I would be approached by friends who had somebody they knew who had a cancer diagnosis and um, they would call me and I would coach them through things. So a few times I went to appointments and that sort of thing. And so eventually I just really, it truly really felt like this was my calling. And um, so I, you know, started my own practice and uh, I do handle cases outside of cancer, but um, my focus is mostly on cancer. I love that you have shared that as well. And I love that you have the the experience on both sides of the medical system. And we'll dive into that a little bit later, but thank you so much for sharing that as well. All right, let's go through some questions for our team. Jim, we'll start with you again. I guess you're the VIP if you've self-proclaimed that. So, um, you know, a lot of the times many of us get asked the question, because that's the way our medical system works, if insurance covers our services and it doesn't is the short answer of the no but but really you know i think what um you know people are looking for is an answer as to you know that doesn't make sense like it seems like such an amazing service why wouldn't this be covered and um, as of right now the field is very much still in its infancy so it's it's not it's not maybe fully understood there's a lot of different angles of it but i'm curious as to your take on the insurance coverage of our service and why in some ways that's a positive yeah, so interesting that uh, the VIP conversation came up because that's kind of exactly what's going on here. When people hire a patient advocate, they end up becoming a VIP of sorts. They're, they are a very important person. Um, unfortunately, our, our health insurance system isn't set up that way. So when someone hires a patient advocate, typically, most in most circumstances, they're paying that patient advocate cash. And the patient advocate uh, has, is, is beholden to nobody else. They're not beholden to a doctor or a hospital or a health insurance company or a pharmaceutical company or what have you. We are completely 100% aligned with the patient. If insurance were going to, going to cover patient advocacy services, uh, you know, a couple of things would happen. First of all, they would dictate to us what and what what we could and could not do. And as a result of that, you know, that patient isn't going to be uh, a VIP. And then, you know, furthermore, I think that they are going to, and they they already do this um, in, in a lot of ways, but they are going to be more effective. If they were paying for our service services, I think that they would be even more effective at driving the patient down a certain path. And oftentimes that path um, isn't going to be the path that is best for that patient. So that path with regards to, let's if it's a treatment plan path per se, that path might simply be the least expensive path. 
And that's not what we necessarily want for our patients. So for those reasons, you know, we don't, we don't ultimately want to really be covered by insurance. It just doesn't make sense for, for the business that we're in. You know, we are trying to cater to, to patients. And, and if, if the insurance companies get involved, I think that, um, you know, unfortunately we'll end up um, just being another part of our, our broken dysfunctional healthcare system. I think we can all resonate. I don't know that the video is showing everybody's bobbing heads, but we're all bobbing our heads because we agree with that. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately a huge reason why we have started our own companies because we have seen the brokenness and we want to proceed in the way that's best for the patient. And it's hard to do that when you're bound by a system that is broken. So thank you for, for sharing that, Jim. And I'm going to glance to my questions because I don't have them all memorized, but Angie, you are next. Your company's mission is, which I love, is to simplify healthcare and wellness. I'm curious as to your thoughts on why and how the medical system is so complicated and some of the ways we can begin to simplify it. Uh, yeah, it's complex, I believe, because it's such a large system. I mean, it's a giant business. The United States spends about, I don't know, over $3 trillion a year on healthcare. And that doesn't even, there's so many people that don't even have health insurance. So trying to manage such a large business with that much money is, first of all, difficult. And then the other thing is there's so many programs that are associated with health insurance. Um, you have Medicare, you have Medicaid, you have HMO, you have PPO, you have the private insurances. I can go on and on. And so it's trying to figure out the insurance part, which Jim just discussed a little bit. Um, and then the terminology associated with, with that, like out-of-pocket, co-payment, deductible, um, things like that. So the terminology, dealing with different insurances, um, there's also cultural bar barriers with people that are going to the doctors that don't necessarily have the translation that they, they need. So they leave there and they didn't quite get half of what was said. Um, patients don't always receive the treatment maybe that they need. So they're wandering around, going from place to place, trying to figure out why they're not getting any better. Um, and, you know, a lack of um, understanding their diagnosis and the communication. So I think all of that combined just makes it very complex as you have the patient just trying to understand how to navigate through insurance, terminology, diagnosis, communicating with their doctor, not even feeling that they're feared to have the discussion with the doctor that I didn't quite get that. They're still intimidated by some of that. And um, so I think that's most of the reason, or many of the reasons why it's so complex. Yeah, I think and we so can to, yeah, go ahead. I'll agree with that for sure. No, go ahead. Yeah, and so simplifying it, it doesn't have to be that difficult. I mean, it seems difficult. It's overwhelming. It's like opening up a textbook with all these formulas and you're like, I don't even know how where to start. So that's what I do. I say, let's just let's just look at what you have going on and let's start from where we think the beginning needs to be. So if it's something like a difficult diagnosis and they're going from doctor to doctor and they're not getting results, you know, if they get to the right doctor, they could possibly have their results done in one day, one visit versus running around. Um, looking at maybe the medications they're taking. Are they taking too many medications? Are they contradi contradicting with one another? Um, so really spending the time with the patient and getting them, getting them to expose or explain all of their situation, looking at their medical records, 
and just guiding them into the right direction with the plan. And I think that that's the first step in trying to help simplify what's going on. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I sometimes I even liken it to, you know, um, if I were to walk into a mechanic, you know, car mechanic, I don't, they, I have no idea what anybody is saying. I don't have a clue what anybody is saying. I just say, I guess go ahead with it. I mean, if I'm, you know, financially able to, I don't know what else to say because I have no knowledge of this system, except it's a car and not our lives. And so that's the difference in perspective. So Right. I view it as like a, like a glazed donut look. So I can't tell you when I have a mechanic or someone in my home and I'm paying them to figure out the problem, but they go through the whole discussion of what it is. And it's just way over my head. I don't know what they're saying. All I'm thinking is, can you fix it? That's, that's what I'm paying you for. So, you know, that's, I think where we come in is we're going to take that glazed donut look away from their them and try to explain it into the terms that they can understand so they have a better grasp, but not overwhelm them with so much information that it's just like a deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really important points. Thank you so much for sharing that, Angie. All right, Claire, I love that you started out sharing your background in nursing and also as a patient learning of a pretty terrifying and scary diagnosis at the time. I would love to know, since you've had experience in the medical system from both sides, how those two perspectives are different, what you might have seen from the patient side that you didn't necessarily see or realize from the actual healthcare system side. So kind of your thoughts on those. Um, you know, I, I always knew that the healthcare system was confusing and fractured, but it wasn't until I was um, really deep into it as a patient that I started to have to face that more. You know, in the past, I just, I went to a doctor for a regular checkup or, you know, stitches or something simple. And, and there wasn't any, um, extended relationship or extended uh, issue that I was dealing with. And so um, when you're thrown into something more serious and you need more from a, a physician, um, it's harder because they're in a hurry and you're one of many patients for them, but to you, this is, this is the most important thing you have going on right now. And so it, it was a little disheartening and um, isolating, I think, to, to be a patient. In a way, you feel like, well, the doctors are here to, to help guide me through everything and tell me what, you know, is going to happen next and everything. But really, it's up to you to be the one to synthesize everything and put it together and ask the right questions. You know, they're in and out. And of course, they're doing the best they can. But as I said, they've got many patients that they're working with. So um, I just felt lucky that I had enough knowledge of the healthcare world that I could, um, you know, ask the right questions. I went prepared with questions and I knew enough about my diagnosis that I could be um, very specific in, in the conversations I had with my physicians. And I knew enough to um, ask, you know, about alternative not, not like, you know, complementary and alternative therapies, but just in general weigh my different options in a way that many patients might not do. They might just be expecting the physician to just kind of tell them what to do, which, um, you know, you want to you wanna make decisions based on what's best for you. So it was, it was a little bit um, 
I guess, enlightening just to, to see kind of how difficult it is managing or maneuvering through the healthcare system as a patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same as I, I helped my dad. I I don't think I realized how difficult the patients had it until I was on the other side. And, and I remember thinking, you know, thank goodness I have some background in being able to navigate this. So I can imagine you felt similarly and I can, exactly. my heads are bobbing again. So, you know, this is why, you know, and then we can't imagine, you know, I remember looking around the ICU bay and thinking how, well, what's that person doing and who's helping? You know, I remember thinking all of those things and um, yeah, so I, I can completely resonate with that. Thank you so much for sharing that to Claire. All right, Jim, back around to you. It always comes back to you, Jim. <laughs> Um, all right. So uh, I know that you mentioned at the beginning a little bit about your background and your journey into patient advocacy, specifically surrounding the concept and, um, you know, idea around niching down to cancer because of, of your family's experience in a, in a pretty significant way with cancer. I'm wondering if you could just dive a little bit more into your decision to sort of niche and specifically focus on cancer and what maybe some of the transformations or one, maybe one highlighted transformation of what you've seen in some of the clients that you've worked with, obviously without patient information, but just kind of an idea of what that looks like. Yeah. So one of the, I would say the, the, you know, one of the big, big reasons that I wanted to name my company Serenity was, uh, and I think Claire used the phrase peace of mind earlier. That's what we want. You know, that's what we want for our clients. We want them to get to a point from an emotional perspective, from a spiritual perspective, psychological perspective, that they just feel a sense of serenity so that they can deal with their cancer alongside their families um, and just push off all of the other um all of the other work to, to somebody else, right? So we just want people to feel some degree of serenity. There are a lot of different pathways to serenity depending on what the patient is dealing with, right? So, you know, when I talk about my services to clients, we sort of, we sort of break it down into a few buckets. We want to um, increase clarity so reduce all that confusion, the, the, the glazed donut look, as Angie says. Um, we want to just dramatically increase clarity. And that means clarity with regards to their insurance, clarity with regards to their treatment options, clarity with regards to their prognosis. Just in, at, every, at every juncture along that pathway, we know that we can get patients to understand exactly what's going on and understand exactly what their choice set looks like. We also want to increase economic security. Um, that is probably the hardest thing that we do because pricing in the American healthcare system is opaque. But there are things that we can do to assess and ascertain exactly, not exactly, but ascertain sort of an estimate of, of what various pathways might look like from an out-of-pocket expense perspective. Um, and then um, probably the conversely, the easiest thing I think we do is what we speed up appointments, right? So we get patients into uh, appointments much, much more quickly than, than they would by themselves. Um, so uh, if there's a fourth bucket, it's probably, it's, it's increasing safety. So, you know, the American healthcare system um, isn't the safest place, unfortunately. 
Um, there's a lot of different studies out there that discuss how many deaths occur in the United States due to medical error. There's a huge range. Probably the most cited study is a study from Johns Hopkins, which said that about 250,000 people die every year from a medical error. That study, I would say, is controversial. Um, it's sort of on the high end. If it's true, if 250,000 is true, um, that would indicate that that's the number three cause of death in the country. On the low end, though, of, of this range of estimates is, is the 40,000 number. So on the low end, at a minimum, we think that 40,000 people are dying in the United States due to medical error. That makes it the 10th the leading cause of death. So it's, it's somewhere in that range. Bottom line is, one is too many, and 40,000 is, is just an absurdly high number. And so we really want to increase the safety that the patient experiences as they move through this, through this process. And there's a lot of things that we can do to, um, to help with that. I, do, I, I, I really do believe that the providers are doing um, the best they can, but because of lots of different factors, safety is, is particularly difficult in this country. Bottom line, whether it's increasing clarity, increasing economic security, um, you know, decreasing wait times or increasing safety, we just, we, we want to get these patients into this serene emotional state so that they can heal better by themselves um, or alongside their family. And so, so it's, it's hard for me to sort of pinpoint um, one particular story, but over and over and over again, we see this sort of relaxation of, you know, in the, in the shoulders and like a breath of fresh air and people move into the process of cancer, I think much more confidently when, when they hire a patient advocate. So that's kind of what we're, what we're going after. Yeah. I love all of those points. I think we could all agree that those are, are really primary roles that we play in our businesses. And, um, you know, we really could dive into to all of those, but I, you know, I, the first time I did the, the group last week, I was telling, telling them how I, I think in visuals. And so my visual with how the system can kind of work as you were talking was like, you know, a TV with multiple news stations playing and, you know, you've got the specialist telling you this and the, and the, you know, the primary telling you this and the, you know, the oncologist telling you this and it gets so confusing and there's so much noise and there's so much lack of understanding, not, not from the patient's fault. I mean, we obviously not everybody went to medical school, so we aren't, we aren't trained in this, you know, at the same level. And it just gets so confusing. And to be able to just dial all of that down and make it more palatable and consumable is, I mean, just me turning off the news, you know, puts me at peace. So to be able to just tune all of that down and make it understandable and consumable, I think is so, so valuable. So I certainly appreciate the work you all do and you, you too, Jim. All right, Angie, we're back to you. I'm curious as to, you know, your experience as, you know, I think we all kind of came into this, not totally sure what, what problems people were going to come to us with. So what are some of the concerns that your clients are coming to you with and what are they, what in their words, what are some of the, the issues they're facing as they try to navigate this super complicated system? Yeah. So a lot of my, my clients come, first of all, they're very frustrated or they're scared. So when you have frustration and scare, scare, you know, that you're scared, then, um, it just leads to high anxiety. So they're, um, 
they're waiting to see what's going to be the best course. So they might not understand, like I mentioned earlier, the terminology. What was the doctor? What did the doctor tell me? I've been running from doctor to doctor. I cannot get this, you know, resolved. If, if I can't get it done on this next appointment, I'm going to give up. And so that is, I think the biggest thing that I see is the anxiety level is really high with these patients or clients that come in and, and talk to me. Um, so they really need, like as Jim has talked about, they need some clarity. They need some assurance. They need some explanation. They need education. So therefore, if they have all of those things provided to them and, and have someone spend the time to go over all of these issues with them, then they can sit back and maybe relax a little bit while we help them work and navigate through the system and they can concentrate on their care. Because not only have they been diagnosed with something such as cancer, or it could be an autoimmune disease or a chronic condition like COPD or heart congestive heart failure or anything like that, that they're just slammed in the face with and they have to make all these lifestyle changes. So as we know, some people are very resistant to change and they don't necessarily want to just jump in without a little more education um, and they're a little resistant. And then they might not trust the doctor that they went to. And Jim, I agree with you. I think the doctors, a lot of them, are in their best interest doing the best that they can with the time that they have, with the restrictions that are put upon them. And because of the way the healthcare system is set up, they can't spend an hour of the time. Now, some of them have gone to some of the concierge services, which I think are very helpful, but it's also very pricey and it's expensive. So um, I think having an advocate on their side can help reduce some of that anxiety. They're un, un, unsure of what they should be doing. I think a lot of it is they have self-doubt. I don't know if this is the right decision. I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I should be taking this medication. So they're very concerned about their path of what's going to be the best way to get them better. Or they're frustrated because they've been doing some of the things that they've been told and they're not getting any better. It's primarily because they just haven't gone to the right person. They haven't dove into what their specific issues are and they're just maybe medicated. So I have had plenty of patients that'll say, I have had this chronic cough for months, maybe even a year. And all I've been told is to take reflux medication. So my thing to them is, well, have you had reflux testing? Have they checked for your GI tract? So sort of diving into some of those issues and then they find out that it's not reflux, it's an allergy because we decided to do some allergy testing. So we rule things out and so they're not just um, frustrated. So that helps with the frustration piece. And then the anxiety is again, trying to let them know that we're here to help them look at the whole picture so we can focus on that part so they can work on their health and what their issues are and concentrate on getting feeling better. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can resonate with all of that. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing how confusing this system is and how, how left we are, you know, as, as a patient population without peace. And, and I completely agree with the tie-in of the physicians and the providers 
what, I mean, people don't typically, there's always outliers, but people don't typically go into medicine for reasons other than that they, they truly genuinely want to help their patients. And um, sometimes even with stories like we've all had here with, you know, maybe a family member who was ill and now they want to go into medicine. And so I think that the intention there is good, but the system is very broken and they don't have the time to spend. So often it is, well, let's try this medication. And, um, and the time that it would take to dive a little bit deeper is not granted to them in a system that's as broken as it is and is and is um, oftentimes very quantity focused and the physicians and providers don't feel like they can spend the time with the with the quality. So so yes, thank you so much for sharing that, Angie. All right, Claire. And we've kind of kind of segued from the provider standpoint and um, into into my last question for you, which is how have the physicians and other providers responded to you as a patient advocate? I think there can be confusion when there's a field that's still relatively in its infancy, as we talked about. And, and so there's kind of like, wait, what, are, what is your role? And, you know, especially if we accompany a patient to uh, an appointment, like what exactly is your role? Um, you know, maybe a little skepticism. So what have you kind of encountered with, with the response from physicians and other providers? That's funny. The timing is, is interesting because just yesterday I attended an appointment with an older client and they were working her up for one issue. And actually, as it turns out, um, they think she has metastatic cancer and it's impacting her cognitive ability. And the, the physician looked at me and I had already introduced myself and they knew ahead of time actually that I was coming because I had been in touch with the PA. But he looked at me and said, oh, you're the health advocate. And I said, yes. And he's like, great, they're really going to need you right now. So he was, I think, relieved that he knew his patient who's going through this difficult time now is going to have a lot of tests to do the workup and so forth, had somebody that can kind of make sure that um, I was going to take his orders and what he wanted to happen next and make sure that that happened. So I was the, I'm the follow through piece for him. And I think it gave him a little bit of comfort. And so they made sure to, with the patient's permission to get me set up on the portal so I could be able to, um, communicate directly with the physician and the PA. So, um, that was just yesterday in general. I have found that they're still figuring out what patient advocates are. A lot of physicians I've dealt with have no idea. So I have to kind of do a little education. But um, for the most part, they've been open to the idea. And I think they absolutely see the value in patient advocates in doing like I was for the patient yesterday. And that's making sure that they understand their diagnosis, making sure that um, I can work with them so they're compliant uh, and understand uh, what medicines they're on and why they're taking it and all that, because some people, they just become overwhelmed. So um, I, I, I think as we become uh, more um, entrenched in the healthcare system, we are going to be a more valued part of the entire healthcare team. That's a fabulous story to really highlight that I do think that when physicians and other providers understand in a much more intimate way what we're doing, it, I don't think that there would be much resistance. You know, it, it's just the unknown at first. But I, even when my primary care yeah. physician was asking me, you know, this last visit, you know, what what I've been up to lately, and I haven't been able to share this with her for some reason. I don't know how it hasn't brought up. And she's like, wait really? How many of you are there? And how many, like, can you just give me your cards? I mean, all of my patients need a patient advocate. And so I think it's just a matter of them understanding that we're collaborating with them. This is not an, an antagonistic relationship. I mean, it's really for us to help 
those, you know, clarification pieces in between and the time they don't have the time to do that. They certainly all wish they could, but they aren't given that there was be, would be no way just based on the volume of patients they see. So I, I love that you were able to share that story. And I, I have had similar experiences once the understanding was there of what we do that, oh my gosh, like we need more of you. So all right, team. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights, your journeys into why you joined patient advocacy and um, some of some of your experiences in the field. And I look forward to continuing to work with you all. And Caribou, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. A big thank you to Jim, Angie, and Claire for sharing this time and space with me as we share our insights into the world of patient advocacy with all of you and ultimately each other because we do learn from each other quite often and that's one of the benefits of having the collaboration that we do in Caribou. I will bring you the founders of Caribou in just a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. And of course, regular programming will continue as well. I look forward to seeing you here again next time.